As we get into the holiday season, we're starting our new series called Types of Christmas. Uh, there's all kinds of different traditions and, and types, as you just saw, that we have. But the types that we're talking about uh, is not the ones from the video, but the types that we're talking about is what we call biblical typology. Uh, so it's the idea that something in the Old Testament uh, is, is put in there, a person, a place, an event, uh, and it's symbolic of what we're going to see in the New Testament. Uh, so everything you know, that's happening with this typology in the Old Testament is pointing us in the direction to understanding something that's going to come. It's a foreshadowing, uh, essentially, of what we're going to be seeing in the future. And a lot of this was designed so specifically that the people in the Old Testament, the Jews, would understand who was the Christ, right? That, that these individuals or these, these aspects of the Old Testament were laying out little breadcrumbs so that way when they got to who Christ was, they'd be able to look back at their history and go, oh, I understand who this is because God has been telling us all along and leaving us these little clues so when Christ comes, we would exactly know who that Savior is. It's almost like it was a giant treasure map uh, that they had. You know, an X would mark the spot and that X was Jesus and their treasure would be when he would die on the cross for their sins. So that's what we're talking about. So we're going to look at five individuals of the Old Testament and how they are a type to helping us understand who Christ is and why the birth of Christ is so important and why it is such a time of season of great excitement and joy for us as Christians. So we're going to start today by looking at the prophet by the name of Elijah. Uh, Elijah had some pretty interesting and grandiose moments in the scriptures. Uh, and if you allow me to quickly hop to a different holiday for a moment that when a Jewish Seder or Passover is going on during the Easter season, one of the interesting things that they'll do is they'll actually put a cup of wine out for Elijah, and then later on during the Seder, they'll actually have the children go open the door, anticipating the coming of Elijah. So Elijah's a pretty big deal, not only in the Jewish faith, but obviously in our Christian faith as well. And as we take a look at the scriptures of what he means uh, for, for us as Christians. And again, the, the, the big part of this is, is that Elijah is going to be the herald or the messenger, the forerunner to who Jesus Christ is. So, so it's a big deal as we wait for the coming of actual Elijah. So we're going to take a look at the scriptures here just to understand who Elijah is first. So that way, again, it helps set us up for understanding where this plays out in the Christmas season that we celebrate. So Elijah first shows up in, in, in 1 Kings 17. He's a prophet. Uh, and Israel has come out of slavery. It has come back into the promised land at this point. Uh, but 
But things have not been going well. The people that they were supposed to get rid of, the, the, the enemies they were supposed to deal with, uh, have not all been dealt with. And so now they've become a thorn in the side of the Israelites, many times leading them astray, uh, causing them to worship idolatry. And at this point, the kingdom of Israel has split into the northern and southern kingdom. And King Ahab has taken over the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, and he's, he's not a good king, and he's been leading them into false worship. So as a result of this, uh, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah shows up and he says, look, there's not going to be any dew or any rain because of what you've done. There are consequences to this false worship and this idolatrous worship that happens. And so you're going to have to deal with this. There's going to be some struggle. And, and so Elijah being a prophet is not well liked. We have to understand, guys, that, that prophets in the Old Testament aren't just like magic ball fortune tellers. That's part of what they do. But a big portion uh, is a prophet is he's speaking from God on God's behalf to man. And he's basically letting people know, hey, if you don't get your act together, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be problems if you don't turn from your sins and get back in line with what the Lord wants. Now, we, we don't really like prophets in our lives because prophets are often pointing out the negative things. But prophets are really important for that very reason, that as we wander astray, they call us back to the fold of God. So that's what the point of he's supposed to do. Now, at this point, Ahab's wife is not very happy. And she's actually been going around and killing the other prophets of Israel. And then God shows up and he says, Elijah, I need you to go talk to Ahab. Yeah, the same guy whose wife is going around killing people like you, I need you to go talk to him. So, so Elijah goes, he goes to speak to him and Ahab's like, wait, aren't you the guy that told me it wasn't going to rain for a while? I don't really like what you've been doing. And he says, well, listen, Ahab, again, if you wouldn't have led people astray, this wouldn't have happened. And that's why I'm here is to call you back to what you're supposed to be doing. And so he, he says, look, here's what we're going to do, Ahab. I want you to go and get all your prophets and we're going to settle this once and for all. We're going to figure out who is the one true God. So we see that there it says that Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel. He assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel and Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. So they're like, we're going to have this competition. What we're going to do is we're going to set up this, this sacrifice and we're going to pray to our gods. You're going to pray to your Baal. I'm going to pray to the God of Israel, the God, of the Hebrew God. And fire is going to come down and it's going to consume the sacrifice. And whatever God does it, you're going to know which one is the real God. So all the prophets of Baal have gathered and they start dancing around and they start singing and they start calling out to their God. And nothing's happening at this point. And so Elijah's like, hey, guys, um, maybe he's not around. Maybe he's busy. Maybe your God is actually asleep and you should go wake him up. So Elijah's taunting these prophets of Baal here. And so then they, they get more extreme and they start cutting themselves, thinking that, that if they engage in this act, that, that now it's going to call down the, the, the fire from, from Baal. But nothing happens. So now it's Elijah's turn. 
And Elijah just says, all right, here's what we're going to do. Before I, before I do this, I want you to douse this sacrifice a couple times with some jars of water. And so they're, they're, they cover it in water. And then Elijah goes and he basically calls out the guy and he says, God, bring down the fire. The fire comes down, consumes the sacrifice. And Elijah's like, that's right. My God is the one true God. And the prophets of Baal are dealt with. Okay, so that's kind of the big moment of Elijah in terms of his life as a prophet. And later on uh, in 2 Kings, Elijah actually doesn't die, but he actually gets taken up into heaven. So he's one of two people in the scriptures that doesn't die a physical death, but is just brought up into heaven. So he's a prophet calling people back from their sins. And what makes him really unique? Because the scripture has lots of other prophets, right? We, we have a whole section in the Old Testament of prophets. But what is it about Elijah that is so significant? And that's where we go to the book of Malachi. And in Malachi, he has these two passages here. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And then Malachi ends his book with this. He says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So, so Malachi makes a direct reference here that Elijah is going to come and he's going to turn people back. He, he's going to be the messenger of who the Lord is. And this goes all the way back to Abraham. Remember, Abraham is called out by God and he says, I'm going to make a promise to you in Genesis chapter 12. And he says, through your line, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, to bless, bless this nation. I'm going to set you up as a father of the Israelites. And, and, and all the world is going to be blessed through you. And all through the Old Testament, we have all of these scriptural references and these allusions and these prophetic statements made by all kinds of people. That eventually this Messiah, this Savior is going to come. And the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, literally finishes this way with this passage here, that the Old Testament ends with Elijah's going to come and tell you who the Messiah is. And then what happens? There's 400 years of radio silence. And the Israelites are waiting. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. When is Elijah going to show up to tell us who the Messiah is. And so they're waiting. And at this point, the Romans have come, have taken over the known world. They've captured Jerusalem, right? And, and, and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And they're like, where is Elijah? Because we were promised that the Messiah is going to come and it's going to make everything right. We're going to be put back to a place of prominence and power and authority. When is he going to show 
up. Well, sometime before Jesus' public ministry, somebody else shows up on the scene. This guy wearing ragged clothes and he's, he, he's, he's eating honey and he's eating locusts, but he's got all of society in a tizzy. Everybody's like, you, you got you to go see this guy. And everybody's talking about him. And he's, he's going around and he's, he's telling people, look, you, you got to repent. You got to confess of your sins. You, you can find forgiveness. And he's baptizing people. And so everybody wants to know who this guy is. And so in John chapter 1, word is out about this guy by the name of John the Baptist. And so they, they approach him because they're waiting for somebody and they're trying to figure out if this is the guy. And so they, they ask him, they say, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he says, no, I'm not. Well, are, are you the prophet? No. Well, they said, finally, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. So they're like, you're not the Messiah. And John's like, no, I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? John's like, no, I'm not Elijah. Are, are you the prophet, the guy from Deuteronomy 18? No, I'm not that guy either. But he adds, but I'm, I'm that guy that, Eli that Isaiah talked about. And Isaiah 40, verse 3, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight for the Lord. It's another significant scriptural reference for them of understanding when the Messiah is going to show up. And so John is like, yeah, I'm that voice. But they're like, yeah, but are you the voice? The voice we want is the voice of Elijah. That's what we want to know, John. Are you that guy? Because that sounds really similar to what we just read in Malachi chapter 3, right? But, Elijah, but John just said, I'm, I'm not Elijah. So where are we at with this? Well, don't worry, Jesus is going to help clarify this for us. So if you turn over, you have your Bibles there, Matthew 11, chapter 7 here. Or uh, Matthew 11, uh, verse 7. Jesus has, has been baptized by John the Baptist and, and there's some interactions going on. In verse 7 it says, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He said, What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before that. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. 
For all the prophets and the laws have prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is like, look, this guy you've been waiting for, the one who's going to make straight, this is the guy. John is Elijah. And they're like, wait a minute. Didn't Elijah just tell us he wasn't John? Is he confused about his identity? It seems like that's a contradiction, Jesus. Are you telling me Jesus got the scriptures wrong? See, this is what we again need to understand. What are we talking about? We're talking about types of Christmas. We're talking about this idea of typology. That what, what John is, is a type of Elijah. So John is correct that he's not actually Elijah. But Jesus is also correct that John is a type of Elijah. Right? So he's not the physical Elijah that's going to return, but he's very much like him. And if we take a look and again try to understand, what do we notice? Both of these guys are prophets. Both of them are, are speaking on behalf of God to man and telling people to repent and turn from their sins. They're calling people back to who God is. And both of them are forerunners to Christ. That's what Elijah, Isaiah 40 and Malachi 4 both say. We're, we're going to come and we are going to tell you who the Messiah is. Now, this is where it shows up at Christmas. If we flip over to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1, verses 13 through 17 here. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a delight and a joy to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he, will, he is to never take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Did you catch that? Zechariah, you, you're going to have a son. And you're going to call him John. And John is going to be special. John's going to be significant. Because what he's going to do is he is going to go in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he is going to call men back from their sins. But see, here's the difference between Elijah and John. 
John spoke of the coming of Christ's first coming. He spoke of Christ as the lamb. And he said, look, here is the Messiah. Here is the lamb. Here is the savior of the world. He's going to go and he's going to lay down his life on the cross. And he's going to shed his blood for your sins and mine. And that through the shedding of that blood, we will find the forgiveness of our sins. But Elijah is also going to come. There's going to be a physical return of the prophet Elijah one day at the second coming of Christ. But instead of coming as the lamb, dying for his people, sparing us the punishment of sin and death and hell, he's going to come back a second time. And he's going to come before that tribulation. And he's going to let people know what's going to happen. And Christ is going to physically return on this earth a second time, not as a lamb, but as a lion. And he is going to deal and destroy his enemies. And what does Jesus tell us? He says, if you have ears to hear, this is the Messiah. Right. This guy, Jesus, this guy that that has shown up, this baby that is sitting there in a manger, the one that you've been waiting for for 400 years. This is the guy that you have wanted to come. But we're waiting for Elijah. You don't get Elijah right now. You get John. But John is like Elijah. And if you can understand it and embrace it, Jesus is your savior. We go a little bit further in Luke chapter one and we hear another voice talk. This is the voice of John's mother, Elizabeth, as as she has John in her womb and she comes and she interacts with Mary, who has Jesus in her womb. So two pregnant mothers are now having a conversation. And in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she encountered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you, women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And and when Mary shows up, she's excited. And she says, Mary, blessed are you. Blessed is the child within you. Blessed that you have believed, Mary. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Because why? Because as these two babies inside the wombs of their mothers met, John leaped for joy and he said, this is the Savior. Why is Christmas so amazing? 
Why is it such a time of, of joy and blessed time? Because this is the time that our Savior has shown up to redeem us. This is the 400 years that they've been waiting for and it finally has come. And for each and every one of us. Christmas is filled with joy. So that voice that spoke to those Israelites in the Old Testament, Elijah, and that voice that spoke to the people at the time of Jesus with John, and that voice from the words of Elizabeth is the same voice that cries out to us today. It is the same voice that is calling us back to our Savior. And so if this season you are looking for blessing, and, and I'm not talking about physical blessing, I'm not talking about uh, financial blessing, I'm not talking about a blessing of a new job or a blessing that maybe you're hoping that special someone will pop the question this Christmas season. I'm not talking about those kinds of blessings. I'm talking about the true blessing that is greater than any blessing you will ever have. It is the blessing knowing that we've been forgiven for the things that we have done wrong. That through Christ we have the opportunity to escape the perils of hell. It is the true blessing that we find knowing that our lives have meaning. That our lives have purpose in the Savior of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate blessing that we can find. So we need to hear the voice of John and we need to heed the voice of Elijah. And he's calling us back. So this season, and I know holiday seasons can be difficult for a lot of people. But if you're, if you're here, or you're listening, or you know someone who is lost, and they're hurting, and they're looking for hope, and they're sitting there and they're just saying, I'm looking for something better. I'm waiting for something to turn my life around. I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. You don't have to wait any longer because Christ has come. So what I want you to do is I want you to hear the cries of the newborn babe this season. To have ears to hear, to know that this is a season for us to repent, to turn back to God and to be forgiven for the things that we have done. Because our Savior has come to give us the greatest blessing ever, which was his life on the cross. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we, re we rejoice. We rejoice because that is what this is meant to be. It is a season of blessing. 
It's a season of blessing amidst all the pain and struggles that we may be dealing with. Lord, you've been calling us back from the very beginning of our creation. And the reason why you've called us back is because, Lord, there is a better life for us. There is blessing waiting to be had that if we are willing to give our lives over to you and a life given over to you is a life of the greatest joy that we will ever experience. So, Lord, those who may be hurting, those who are wandering in that desert, those who are lost, Father, this is a call for them to hear this season the meaning of the true Christmas. Let us have ears to hear. Amen.